0: Hey guys, welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Legacy Show. Today we have Divya and Sana with us, who are just as amazing as a person can be. So Divya is the head of public relations, corporate communication, and sustainability at Air Asia India, and Sana is a captain flight operation who is just waiting to get back in the skies. So welcome Divya and Sana to the Legacy Show. Thank,
1: Thank you. you. Thanks Vishesh. Thanks so much for having us today.
0: No, it's it's a pleasure. So. Uh, Guys, why don't you want start telling us something about your journey so far, how your experiences have been like? Sure.
1: Okay, India, sure. Ahead. Yes,
0: let me go first. So,
1: yeah, uh, I've been in the communications industry for 11 years now. So I'm basically from uh, Chennai, but I've been based in Bangalore uh, ever since I joined AirAsia India. So I started off as a journalist uh, with uh, a South-based channel, but very quickly, within a year, I decided that media was not my thing and uh, you know news production was not my thing it was barely a year uh, and I decided to move on to communications and I joined a public relations agency in Chennai where I spent four years before I took the big leap and uh, joined AirAsia India and I moved to Bangalore that's when I got married as well it was about two months since I got married and I immediately asked my husband to relocate with me to Bangalore and he obliged. So we've been in uh, Bangalore for uh, six years now. I've been with Asia India for six years. I was initially only taking care of uh, corporate communications, but recently I've been given the additional responsibility of managing sustainability as well. So it's been a great uh, journey with Aereja India and uh, yes, looking forward to many more years in communications.
0: Sounds awesome. And, and Sana, how about you?
1: So
2: I have been a part of uh, civil aviation flying actively for 11 years now. And um, I'm originally from Pune. I live in Bangalore now. I have been with AirAsia India since 2019. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, I now fly the Airbus 320 as the captain. And uh, like you also mentioned, I'm currently not flying because I'm on maternity leave. So there is a a rule that does not allow pilots uh, to fly when you're expecting that is for health and safety reasons. Uh, so I've been working from home for the last eight months. And uh, that's about it. I hope to get back as soon as I can post uh, uh, my maternity leave and continue for as long as I can.
0: So working from home as a captain. Now now this sounds, you know, something that, that I just cannot, uh, you know, comprehend my mind around. Very good
1: question. I think, you know, uh, Sana might be able to really tell you what a pilot can also do when they're not flying.
2: Absolutely. What a pilot can do and what a pilot is given the opportunity to do, I will say. So um, just before um, I went on mat leave, uh, it was about six or seven months since I had been involved with uh, flight operations safety, which is a very major function of airlines. Uh, Flight operations safety, I was also a CRM trainer. CRM is Crew Resource Management Trainer. And uh, I dabbled a little bit uh, with the sustainability angle of flight operations as well. That's where I interacted with Divya. And uh, so thankfully, all of these three roles are something that I could continue offline out of the cockpit as well. So um, while uh, you cannot fly from home, you can definitely explore other opportunities. Which Aresh and very gladly offered me. So I've been busy and I've been very engaged and happy.
0: So, flying operations, you know, they're just flying in the skies and working on the ground. Which one would you prefer?
2: Oh, flying any day. <laughs> of course.
0: So, so uh, did, uh, you know, did you just venture out into flying at some point of time, or was it something that you, you, know, you planned, you executed, and thought from it from a good point of time? Like, you know, a, a lot of people in their childhood has these dreams of being astronaut, being pilots, going into... Um, these are the kind of passionate fields that, you know, everyone is associated with. But a lot of them, you know, goes into engineering, medicine, the things that, that you know, keep people mostly alive. So so how how do you think that, you know, you ventured on into this?
2: Okay, so um, I was studying for something else. I was very uh, passionate about the environment and I was getting a degree in environmental sciences and uh, flying was nowhere on the horizon. And a friend of mine, a student in the same uh, college, applied for an air, uh, for uh, an airline pilots, you know, a cadet program. And that's how I came to know of it. So I also gave it a shot. And uh, of course, I did sit down and think of all the pros and cons that this profession offers. And uh, I have had the uh, extremely supportive family. And they said, go ahead, try it out, no harm done. And uh, I think one should have the flexibility in life to try different things. And this was one trial that really worked for me and I haven't looked back since.
0: Wow. And, and how about you Divya? Venturing into communications is something that, you know, most, most people in media and, you know, all these places are proud of. So how did you venture into this?
1: Yeah, I'm just taking on from what Sana just said, you know, giving it a shot, you know, really, uh, uh, that's one thing that uh, I would also uh, tell anybody that asks me for career advice, because as I said, I started off in the media industry. And, uh, you know, I was barely—I was just 21 years old when I joined uh, the channel, and I was given immense opportunity. I joined as a producer, but I was allowed to anchor news, I was allowed to go on the field to report news. And, you know, I was allowed to do just about anything that I wanted to, but I was very young and I was undecided about what exactly I wanted to do. So instead of news, if I had ventured into feature programming, probably I would have continued in the hardcore media industry itself. But uh, I quickly decided that, no, this is not my thing. I wanna do something else. And that's when a friend of mine, an old friend of mine from that channel suggested that, I take up corporate communications or public relations instead because, you know, I always liked meeting new people, my, uh, you know, uh, networking and uh, talking to people, meeting new people. That, that was one of my, you know, uh, something about me uh, that he spotted and uh, he suggested that I take up the public relations. And yes, I'm, uh, I've been in the industry for 10 years now and uh, I had no background at all whatsoever in PR. I, I did not even know what PR or corporate communication was. I did not study anything related to that. I studied uh, electronic media, which was also about video production, photography, and uh, uh, you know, uh, radio and all of that. But uh, so I I just learned everything on the job. And I'm thankful for my first four years that I spent with an agency, uh, handling a bunch of uh, clients from different industries. And uh, so an interesting point is AirAsia was one of my clients. So when AirAsia made the announcement, back in 2013 that they were going to set up a joint venture airline with the Tata's, you know, uh, coming up with a low-cost uh, airline in India. It was one big news and it really uh, created a stir in the industry and I was put on that account and to be honest, uh, I had no knowledge about aviation. I didn't know anything at all about aviation and that's when I started uh, all of my basic uh, research and that got me, you know, very fascinated about the industry and I spent two years in the agency working on the AirAsia account. And when I spotted an opportunity available with the airline, right, I quickly used the, you know, opportunity. I spoke to the CEO because i had already met him several times. I'd interacted with him. And within, uh, you know, a matter of few days, we just had one meeting in person and I got the job. So it was no big effort if you see it from that very short interaction, but All the effort that I'd probably put in over the years and, you know, the kind of passion I had uh, about the airline and about the industry got me the chance to work with AirAsia. And now, yes, I've been here for six years and now I'm growing as well with a new uh, opportunity in sustainability as well. So, yes, that's how I got here. So, guys,
0: we both talked about sustainability and when we talk about sustainability and airlines, it, it sounds, you know, very ironic to most of the people. That, you know airlines are the are the ones who use most of the fuels all kind of you know inefficient issues so how do you bring sustainability into the picture
1: yeah so there are multiple facets to it like you rightly said you know aviation is a major contributor to carbon emissions and uh, at air india we're just uh scratching the surface but we are parent uh, Uh, airline and our our group companies, both the Tata Group and the AirAsia Group are really big on sustainability and sustainable operations. So, you know, taking a lesson or two from both our group companies and especially uh, Tata Sustainability Group, they specialize in sustainable operations and they guide all Tata companies to, you know, uh, towards their sustainability strategy. And yes, we've been working with them actively over the last one year, the airline itself is pretty young we are 7 years into operations so we have just started building our sustainability strategy and uh, we have targets and you know things to do for across the organization and one of the important uh, uh, departments is the flight operations department which of course works tracks keeps track of all of the emissions operations emissions and sustainable operations, or of the alternate uh, eco friendly uh, opportunities that we have to explore and all of that so yeah just to sum it sum it up
0: so so when we when we talk about you know all these things what do you think that you know your targets are that you know this is something that we really want to achieve or this is something that you know that we can work with so so how do you decide that you know this is something that we need to focus on
1: so like I said, we have uh, organizational targets for uh, all of the departments. Like we, we have about 40, 50 action items that we hope to achieve in the next four to five years. But we're barely scratching the surface right now as a young player. So uh, uh, things like sustainable aviation fuel are all things that we have to talk about, about in the long run. Uh, there are not many players in, uh, in the country right now. So those are... Long term aspects and re- uh, reducing our uh, carbon footprint and uh, looking at other uh, eco friendly op- uh, options for our operations, even reducing our paper consumption in our operations, digitizing our uh, operations, you know, reduction of uh, manual uh, uh, paper and all of that. These are all small, small steps that we will be taking towards our uh,
0: sustainability journey.
1: And feel free to add on, Captain Sanna, uh, efforts from the flight
0: operations side. Yeah, from the flight operations, how how we think about sustainability? Like, how can we even think about, you know, bringing something sustainable into something that is putting your life at stake in the skies?
2: So it's similar to changing your refrigerator every 10 years, right? As it gets older, it consumes more energy. So newer technology is designed in a way to consume less. So upgrading your fleet, we now have our uh, next engine option aircraft that are Uh, getting inculcated in the fleet. And uh, they have reduced fuel consumption by 15%. So this is done at the very basic design level by the aircraft manufacturers. And uh, just making sure that your fleet is as young as possible, as sustainable as possible, following procedures that don't waste fuel on ground. Uh, Making use of uh, green energy while we're on the ground is something that we very actively do, and it is a part of our uh, standard procedures also. So we contribute in that way.
0: So guys, uh, both of you, you know, what do you think that in your, you know, 10 and 11 years of journey uh, in this particular se- uh, segments, what do you think that has been a very differentiating factor that you can say that, you know, this this was a moment that uh, a lot of things changed for me? So, so both on a personal as well as a professional level.
1: Okay. so. Uh, If I were to say, I think it would be, I would consider it a very big move when I moved from uh, the public relations agency to the brand side, because when you look at the media industry, right? uh, The public relations uh, sector and the corporate communication sector is considered two different things. About uh, four years in an agency. And uh, when when the time was right, right? And when I had the opportunity to join such a big brand, you know, it was uh, a Tata and an AirAsia group company. It was one of the upcoming airlines and fast growing uh, airlines in the country. And uh, uh, I was the only person managing communications for the first four years. And I recently added another team member when I was going out on maternity leave. So it's a big portfolio. And the fact that I got to work with all of the three CEOs that the airline has seen, there have been multiple management changes, a lot of Crisis, a lot of learnings and a lot of growth, and you know, start starting off with just two aircraft, and now our fleet is expanding. And like Sana said, we have new age aircraft right now, so it's a huge. It was a huge learning curve for me. So I think that's one really uh, big difference that happened in early in my life. Like when I joined AirAsia, I was I was just about twenty six, and it was such a huge opportunity for me to be able to work with. You know, veterans in the industry, like all of our senior management, all of them had a minimum experience of 15 years in the industry. And I was totally new to the aviation sector. So, you know, communications is one thing, but communications in the aviation industry is something that, you know, I just picked up after I joined the airline. And again, I had no background in aviation or anything. So that was one big step for me, I would say.
0: So there were a single person managing the, you know, the complete PR for an airline. So, so what, what was your day like that, you know, you, you were thinking that, you know, whether we can get some more uh, PR or, you know, how to manage all these things? Yeah. So I have never had a holiday, like
1: in those four, four and a half years that I worked with the airline, not one day, like there was never an annual leave that I could take in peace. Like even if I was traveling, if I was going on an international trip, only those few hours when I was inside the flight, I was not attending a phone call or not responding to email so it's a 24 hour job and there was never any lack of uh, news or news item or stories you know because uh, again as i said we were we were a young airline we were growing there was a lot of things to talk about but yeah managing it as a single person of course we had uh, i've always had the help of our agency that's been supporting us we've worked with multiple agencies since the beginning but yes it was a big thing to tackle uh, and crisis communication is also one important part of it, uh, you know, not just brand reputation management, but crisis has also been one really big uh, thing that I've learned to manage in the last few years. Yeah. So if I look back at those years, not having a moment to, you know, just just call it a day and relax, that's never happened. And I'm lucky to have a team member right now who I can fall back on. Okay.
0: And and how about about you, Sana? How do you, you know, saw this particular thing?
1: Okay,
2: so the uh, differentiating uh, or the landmark uh, occurrence in my career so far has been, like, unlike Divya said, where she's not able to switch off, a pilot is really able to switch off. Because as soon as you land and you uh, park your aircraft and you put your brakes on, you're done. Uh, a regular line pilot. You will not get a lot of phone calls. You will actually get no phone calls other than your taxi that's waiting for you to pick you up. And uh, the day that I decided to embrace phone calls at home was when I uh, ventured into safety. And that was a very conscious decision to want to do something more other than flying. And uh, that for me uh, was an opportunity that I'm glad I took. It has taught me a lot. It's introduction to a whole new uh, hemisphere of tree, uh, And uh, I'm very glad. I mean, I have lost my sleep a little bit uh, because of that decision. But I'm uh, very, very happy I did that.
0: Sounds, sounds awesome. So, uh, guys, you know, whenever we talk about this industry, the airline sector and all this sectors, there are a lot of stereotypes that get attached to it. How, how do you see them and, you know, how you tackle them on the go?
1: So if I speak about it from a communications perspective uh, to begin with, right? Communications is very open to women in the industry. So if I'm not wrong, I think about uh, more than 60%, uh, 65 to 70% uh, uh, of people in the industry are women. So com- the communications industry is very open to taking in uh, women that way the uh, it, it's very diverse. But yes, again, coming to the aviation sector, it is still growing. It, it is still in its nascent stages and uh, especially people in leadership positions, you don't really find a lot of women uh, in uh, in the industry. So it is still growing and uh, learning. So I feel we have a lot more to uh,
0: see. And, and how about you, Sana? So um, for flying...
2: Uh... When it comes to the cockpit, I can in no way say that I'm a pioneer. In fact, the year I joined, 2010, was the year uh, that our first uh, lady pilot in India was already retiring. So the path was set for us. Uh, Currently, the percentage stands at about 12.5%, which is extremely low, but you'll be very surprised to know that it is the highest in the world. So uh, we have an I read an article
0: somewhere around it.
2: Yes. So uh, it's quite ironic uh, and paradoxical that India leads this number, a very small number, uh, but nonetheless. And uh, I think the uh, profession and the industry themselves are quite ready to embrace more women coming in uh, to fly, or not just fly, but in every different function of the airline. Uh, but it is the perception of the people, of the general uh, passengers and uh, public, that is slowly changing and I have seen that shift in the last 11 years. Where earlier a female voice from the cockpit saying this is your captain speaking would probably uh, put terror in their hearts. Now it just makes children line up outside with their parents, usually mothers, wanting their children to meet uh, the lady pilot. Not because it is some uh, uh, very uh, great profession, I would still say it is very regular. But because it is so uh, rare.
0: I, I still, you know, do not think that uh, whenever I took a flight, there was a particular female voice coming from the cockpit. But for me also, you know, it's going to oh, be... Really? Yeah, it's, for me also, it's going to be... It's one of the Time for you to take an air Asia I, flight. I, I I have a did,
1: flight.
0: I did <laughs> took an air Asia flight in 2019 <laughs> when I was traveling to Bangalore. At that time, I took an air Asia flight. Uh-huh. Nice. Oh, you missed me <laughs> Yeah, I, I missed you. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, guys, you know, whenever we talk about uh, you know women in leadership roles, there are a lot of things you know, uh, some perspectives around that you know what what she is doing and you know how the things are going to be. Do you also tackle them on a daily basis? Because, so, like any- I
1: said, right? Uh, uh, Women in leadership positions, again, that number is also fairly really less. Low. Yeah, uh, and India has a lot more to grow uh, in that uh, uh, from that perspective. But uh, I think brands are uh, becoming more inclusive in uh, their approach. And uh, even the current uh, leadership roles that have women, I think if they start encouraging and supporting more women, because I think recruitment has always been, Uh, One sided, if you ask me, you know, uh, not every company embraces uh, and welcomes uh, women with open hands. You know, they uh, a lot of brands also have their uh, a lot of brands still ask uh, uh, women of their uh, family plans, their maternity plans, uh, so as to plan their uh, business needs accordingly. But uh, it is improving, but you still don't see a lot of women in leadership positions, and that is something we really need to. Uh, uh, focus on if you and that is one of our important sustainability targets for uh, this year and the upcoming years to have more women in managerial positions and to have more women across the organization. So that's uh, inclusivity and diversity is also one of our very big uh, sustainability targets uh, for the airline.
0: So Sana, how do you think that, you know, when we when uh, were just talked about diversity, that diversity in flight operations, is going to make things much more efficient than how they really are right now. Uh,
2: It's not about efficiency because I think men and women fly the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that won't change too much. It is just the opportunity uh, to be able to fly and to be able to contribute in the flight deck is uh, what is lacking. And there are so many women uh, out there and all the pilots I know, uh, the women pilots do their best they probably put in a lot more hard work to be able to, uh, uh, you know, avert and avoid the judgment that sometimes does uh, trickle down.
1: That's but, such an uh, added pressure, right, Sana? Like, yeah, why Why yeah. do the women there have to added. worry a little bit extra? None, no.
0: just a little pressure. bit, Divya. I, I think it's, you know, approximately 50 to 60% more. If, if we, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just, you know, talk a bit about it here that, you know, I personally think that if a particular, you know, male is contributing, you know, just hundred units of something, women on the other hand have to contribute about 150 or 160 to be just at the same level. And, and that's a bias that we have always seen in almost all the industry. So as for us, you know, we belong to legal sector. We, you know, uh, have a tech enabled law firm where we help organizations with their advisory, their corporate advisories, taxation regulatory compliance and all those things but even we personally you know have seen a lot of clients not being able to you know to take the advisory which a women lawyer has given they always you know just say that you know let's move to someone senior in position who can who can really help us around and and this is a judgment that you know most of the women go through we have personally seen these that. some you know, things we need
1: to challenge. This generation needs to start challenging these minor aspects. Yeah.
0: And and even, you know, for that, uh, to be really honest, we lost two of our clients. Because when, you know, a, a woman lawyer just sent a report and he asked me that, you know, why don't you just have a look at it? I said, you know, this is uh, uh, our representation. And, and we really, you know, have our complete trust uh, in her. So whatever she's saying, she's representing the firm. And, and he directly said that, okay, Vishesh, I think I'll just, you know, have to look around at the numbers and see, you know, whether we can come up with this or not. And they directly left us.
1: Oh, but it's
0: a good stand that you all took for,
1: yes, uh, all right. for your employee and for
0: your own organization. The, the organization itself cannot grow without, you know, until and unless we stand for these causes. So, so now how do you make sure, you know, that this kind of thing doesn't really happen? That, you know, whenever, whenever uh, people ask you that, you know, whether the flight is safe, because I have seen people judge, you know, women a lot, even while they're driving on roads. And, and this is the sky. This oh, is something that, you know, everyone should be kind of more afraid of. So, so how do you, you know, really make sure that this kind of thing doesn't really happen?
2: Luckily, you know, uh, women pilots don't have to prove it to the airlines at all or to our employers. Uh, And when it comes to uh, the general public and the passengers, uh, well, they're in there. And uh, after landing, they will realize that they did get from point A to point B in just the same number of hours and just as safely. So I think just exposure to seeing more and more women in that uniform or in that space uh, will do it automatically. I don't really make much of an effort on a personal level to go and convince people because uh, it takes time and it takes uh, experience. So for people to realize that, so I let them have
0: that. So Sana, let's talk about, you know, a little bit more about uniform here. So whenever we talk about, you know, civil aviation or the, you know, the, the particular aviation with the governments and, you know, air forces, there's a particular fascination around uniform. So once you really have it, how is the feeling like?
2: It's uh, really special. Uh, So it's still, it never loses its charm. And uh, we take great pride in it. And uh, I think I can say for myself, but most pilots also, everyone really takes uh, pride in their uniforms and uh, representing uh, a community that is, uh, you know, a little elusive. There aren't so many of us. Every time uh, people do see us at the airports or in the aircraft, uh, uh, they do uh, look at us with a certain amount of fascination because they don't see and enough. Respect
1: and yeah. respect as well.
2: <laughs> right. Yes, uh, there is respect. Just the fact that they're uh, you know, hurtling through the skies at 800 kilometers per hour at the hands of an individual or two individuals. Uh, so yes, the uniform is special and it will continue to be so.
0: So, yeah, you just talked about, you know, 800 kilometers an hour and, and this is something, you know, that the, the number in itself is really fascinating and overwhelming. I, I you know, never just uh, have been able to comprehend my mind around that in one hour you are going to cover 800 kilometers. And every single time, you know, I, I reach the destination, I'm like that, you know, it just took me, uh, you know, one and a half hour or two hours. This, this I, I almost feel like, you know, this cannot be true. <laughs> so uh, and you know uh, when it comes to airlines we all have you know heard a lot of stories that you know that are sometimes made up that are sometimes real and sometimes they, you know they are really scary so any particular story that you would like to tell us not a scary I don't have any one scary stories <laughs> i don't have any scary stories. not the scary ones that the normal ones will do
2: I've just had really uh, wonderful interactions with passengers. Uh, That's what comes to mind. Uh, That after landing, uh, there have been uh, people, and that is probably more because uh, they heard me on uh, the public, uh, the passenger announcement, and they knew it's a woman. But people have sometimes stayed back specially to meet me. And uh, it is so special when that happens. And uh, I remember once there was a a disabled passenger traveling. uh, handicapped passenger traveling with his family and he made the effort uh, he was wheelchair bound and he made the effort to stay back ask his family to wait just so he could say uh, hi and that is really special but uh, other than that uh, the other special thing I would like to share is that you have no idea how beautiful it is up there. It is really something I cannot explain. You may have seen pictures, but just that sight, VNVU. whatever time of the day it might. Be.
0: I'm I'm totally jealous to of that
2: right
0: <laughs> I'm gonna you leave know, my and start a, training. I have bragging rights <laughs> to that completely. It's really amazing. So now, don't force us to leave our you know respective jobs and <laughs> start training now. <laughs> It's never too late. Please go ahead. <laughs> and this also, how about you? You know, you work uh, uh, on the ground. You support all these people in the organization as a whole. So is there a kind of particular jealousy that, you know, is happening with me right now that happens with you all the time? So I've had
1: immense opportunity to travel. So that way, working with an aviation or a travel company give you, gives you those perks, right? You so now? the initial choice. Of course. Yes, all most most airline employees do, and yes, we at AirAsia India also have. Yes, yes, we also have our uh, free flights and discounted flights, and even otherwise on the job you get to travel a lot, right? So being in the PR profession, you you're exposed to so much travel and a lot of on ground events. So yes, in the first, I think for three and a half four years of my profession, I've travelled extensively. So. Uh, not as much as Sana and the other pilots, of course, but uh, as a passenger like, and as a guest of the airline and as an employee of the airline, uh, I would be traveling at least twice a month. So, you know, getting to see so many places, you know, um, getting to meet so many of these wonderful pilots and cabin crew who, you know, who, uh, who are the ones behind your safe journey. So it's really, it's, I, it's a nice feeling when you, you know, when you're the employee and when you uh, travel with uh, a pilot or a cabin crew that, you know, and you get all the extra attention and you also get to interact with them and you get to see how your guests feel about flying your airline. So, yes, I've enjoyed uh, a lot of that. I haven't been jealous because I think I've got a lot of chances to meet many wonderful employees of ours, uh, ground personnel, security personnel, cabin crew, pilots. So when we travel a lot, we get to meet a lot more people. And when you actually see our guests interacting with all these people and the amazing job that our frontliners are doing, it's just an amazing feeling. Like uh, many times on work travel and personal travel, I always keep an eye out for what our passengers are saying and uh, how they're liking the experience. So yes, I've been very
0: proud, not jealous. <laughs> so whenever we talk about you know airlines, a lot of things goes you know behind the scenes. So so uh, why don't we talk you know something more on those lines that you know what what happens at the back end that that no one really knows.
1: On the back end of ob- yeah. operations, I yeah. think I let no, I'll let Sana answer that. Mm-hmm. Sure.
2: So there is something that, uh, you know, the general public is not aware of uh, the number of hours that we put into training and ensuring safety. Uh, There is a lot that goes into it. And every pilot is subject to a battery of uh, tests in the simulator every six months. It is quite extensive. It is uh, regulated. They are checked on it. And uh, that is just your simulator check. There is also uh, a series of checks that happen on the aircraft. There are constant exams. There is a lot of studying. Every single action, every single movement of the aircraft is monitored and scrutinized very closely to ensure safety because it is uh, the lives of so many people at stake always. And um, so that is something that uh, I think will be quite comforting for passengers to know that airlines
0: do all they can to ensure safety this is this is really you know awesome and guys whenever we talk about these safety procedures operations sustainability and flights as a whole so how do you envision the future of airline that how you know within 15 years or 25 years from now the industry or you know the particular experience is going to be are we gonna see, you know, more, more small size planes with some more exclusive kind of, you know, people to fly around? Are we gonna see much more, you know, larger vehicles where a lot of, you know, mass transportation can be put? How, how the future, you know, is, is something that you can look at?
2: I think, uh, if I may answer.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: I think um, the era of uh, trying to get somewhere fast is a little past us because that involves a lot of energy consumption. Like the Concorde phased out because of the sheer number of, uh, or the sheer amount of energy that it used. So, more than getting anywhere fast, it is going to be more focused on getting somewhere in a more greener way. And uh, you will see a whole variety of uh, airplanes, especially within India, because you have such a uh, vast variety of uh, geographies within the country. There is a requirement for every segment. You need your smaller airplanes. You need your larger airplanes. Cargo is something that is not really uh, explored enough within India. So um, we see a whole lot of change within the country uh, in the years to come. I think internationally, uh, they have probably reached a place where it may not change much. But uh, domestically, yes, I think we should be ready for a lot of change.
0: And, and changes, are these, you know, going to be in terms of changed experience for users or is this going to be much, you know, again on the back-end thing? Because back-ends are constantly yeah. evolving in nature. But, but how is it going to be for the particular passenger? Is, is there any kind of experience change that we might experience, you know, or see?
2: It might. Uh, because earlier, uh, air transport was a little bit of a privilege. Uh, but now it is becoming a necessity. Uh, saving that time from uh, to get from point A to B is going to be necessary for everybody. So the focus uh, may not really be on luxury anymore, but uh, will be more on efficiency.
0: And for the efficiency, again, we are talking about fuel, sustainability, and all those things, right?
2: All of it. Efficient airports, efficient aircraft, efficient uh, operations everything Basically seamless
1: of technology like you know i think technology is yeah. going to be a real game changer and covid has the pandemic has already you know given us a kickstart uh, you know to deploy technology to make our processes and uh, operations more efficient like she said not just the airlines we've already collaborated with uh, airports with the security agencies with the regulator to come up with various technological and digital methods to make the experience better for the passengers because the new normal in aviation that's how it emerged right because now uh, thankfully uh, air travel has come has you know is kind of termed as one of the safest options of travel because there's minimal contact there are so many safety uh, procedures intact and the kind of technology and the healthcare uh, needs that have been addressed uh, both in flight and on on ground it's it's tremendous the kind of work that's been done so yes both for the business side and for the passengers it's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot more in terms of experience a lot more change in the next few years
0: this sounds great and and this you know gave me another, another insight around you know the balance that we always look for that you know a balance around sustainability a balance around you know flying a balance around, even making it affordable and efficient for most of the people. But whenever we talk about, you know, in in personal lives, so uh, a lot of people talk about work-life balance, you know, there's a professional life, there's a personal life, and there's a particular distinction between the two that, you know, that is there for most of the people. So so how do you think that, you know, what, what is the balance that, you know, people mostly talk about and what does it really mean, you know, on a personal level for you?
2: Okay. Uh, So, I think we are past the ages where uh, you only speak about families when it comes to balance. It is overall a a good state of mind, your mental health and your physical health, your happiness, your career goals. It's a balance of that. One can choose to uh, uh, live their lives in many different ways. But as long as they find their happiness and their uh, uh, balance, it could be 80-20 for them uh, where they are happy be spending uh, 12-14 hours working but for some it could be uh, uh, the end of the day after four years four hours so i think we should uh, be open to different lifestyles and different ways of working and wanting to work and uh, this goes uh, for men as well and i wish uh, and i hope that in future maternity uh, has been addressed very well i hope paternity is also addressed equally Uh, good point
0: It was about three years back that, that I saw a post from Facebook that, uh, you know, Facebook uh, became the first company globally to, you know, allow this kind of leave for men as well. That, you know, if, if your particular wife or a particular spouse or the partner is pregnant, that you can also take, you know, a particular three months leave.
1: And, and then... a lot, uh, uh, many IT companies also have that. If I'm not wrong, Infosys also has a six-month paid paternity leave, which was a real, you know, groundbreaking thing. And again, to add on, this would be one of our important sustainability targets as well. You know, being a more inclusive organization and the retention rate for people returning from maternal and paternal leaves, you know, they should be treated
0: uh, equally, just
1: like any other uh, employee would.
0: And it, it doesn't really happen. What do you think that, you know, is the backbone of the reason that, you know, whenever someone takes a maternity leave, they are seen, you know, again as an outsider? i don't think that you know within a span of 6 months or 9 months or even a year or two the industry has changed so much that they are not employable or they you know their skills are not of much use what do you think that you know at the backbone is is the main reason why these kind of things happen apart from you know the the mindset and all those things
1: yeah so i think that's changing if i may go ahead go ahead sana
2: uh, i think it would just be the smaller number
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, There are probably fewer policies or procedures in place that address this. Of course, this does not apply to airlines at all, because I have been through one uh, maternity stint in the past and joined back very easily and seamlessly. Uh, But I think in other functions and in other careers and professions, uh, that gap does affect women's professions. And that is because uh, probably people haven't thought enough about it. And they haven't thought enough about it because there aren't enough women. Um, so I think that's the basic uh, necessity. There aren't, aren't enough women
1: coming forward. You know, there are a lot of women who just do not uh, make use of the opportunity. Like she said, there aren't enough people putting in the effort. And uh, yes, it, it has to change. There is a huge uh, gap that uh, needs to be addressed. But I, uh, I also do think that There are many uh, progressive policies that many companies have, even Tata companies, they have a second career opportunity for women uh, returning from uh, maternal uh, leave or uh, long breaks. And like she said, you know, pilots, they are uh, very less number, so they're very much needed in the organization, but that shouldn't be the only thing which makes uh, the organization bring women back. Yes, that's something that also needs to be spoken about very actively, and that really needs to change because I that uh, skill development also equally matters. Like there are many women who probably take up to a three to four year break until their kids are ready to kind of go to school. If, uh, for people who don't have a good support system, you know, they need to be around their kid, and until they are ready to go to school, and for them to for get back. Uh, on their uh, career path you know that's where you know skill development and you know training and companies need to invest in all of this and help women come out of their shell and uh, get back on track
0: so you know uh, i think this uh, is more about the cultural thing and when we talk about culture air asia india in itself you know has has a very mixed culture coming from air asia as well as tatas and and it's a blend of things that i don't think that most of the organizations have Yes, rightly so, so pointed uh, that out. Yeah, so Sana, you know, you have also previously worked with another organization that, you know, you just mentioned that you joined AirAsia in 2019. So how is the cultural shift that, you know, whether, whether it's uh, something that is very profound or whether this is something which is very subtle?
2: No, the change between the two organizations is huge. Uh, I wouldn't say in the cockpit so much uh, because your basic uh, job remains the same. But in your overall outlook uh, and the experience within the company, uh, AirAsia is much younger. It's very vibrant. There are a lot of opportunities to try different things. And uh, my previous organization came from a different school of thought. Uh, it was established at a time that was different. So, yes, there's a huge difference in the culture. And uh, this is more youthful, if I may say so.
0: Okay. And, and how is the youth reflected in you know, day-to-day functioning of, of the organization, Debra?
1: Yeah, so uh, the way we communicate, right, the way we also interact with uh, our uh, people, uh, be it management or uh, uh, frontliners, uh, the way we operate, is very different. Like she said, we are young, we are, we, are, we are vibrant, we connect with people on an everyday basis. So we use uh, technology, again, to bring people closer, not just during the pandemic, even earlier. uh, Like Facebook, we use Workplace to engage with our employees. We've been using Workplace, I think, since 2018 or so. So we, uh, we conduct monthly town halls with the senior management and it's just like Facebook. So people get to see exactly what's going on in the company. There are posts put up, there are videos put up, there are, there are uh, virtual events that are being organized every other day and people have a direct platform to engage and interact with the management. So that also makes the senior management feel a lot younger and closer to uh, uh, people who are working on ground and it also helps both the corporate office staff and people working in the airports in the ramp side, uh, to engage more personally with uh, their peers and their leaders. And guys, any any kind
0: of, you know, particular learning, any kind of particular thing that you learned over these years that you think that, you know, that if you knew this thing earlier, it might have changed the, you know, the entire course of your journey or, you know, maybe, maybe impacted in a much more positive or, you know, or even a negative way.
1: So one thing that I've consistently been learning throughout my journey is patience. Like you really need a lot of patience in the industry in which I operate in. Like the media can get really mad at you when there's crisis going on. Like, and uh, not just the media, like uh, uh, if there is a, a particular situation that is happening on ground, like there is, even, even if it's a small delay and passengers are angry, they are tweeting away uh, on, uh, uh, they're posting on all social media handles and the media immediately wants to know what's happening. And then now in the age of digital and social media, things are blown out of proportion before you, you even realize what's happening. So uh, while passengers are just standing there and putting up photos, we still need, need to speak to multiple stakeholders. There's safety of passengers involved, There's safety of our own employees involved. So we have set processes in place to address these things. So uh, the key to navigating through crisis I've seen is patience. And I've learned a lot of that in all of these years. And I've seen that in a lot of our uh, senior management because like like I said, again, the media can really harass you and they will call you 20, 30 times until they get a response from you. And then you really have no time to actually Go and figure out what's happening. So you you just I can't just snap at somebody on the phone. I can't just be angry with the person. I I need to be patient and I need to be patient with hundred or one twenty people who who give me a call con- continuously. So I think the communications industry has actually taught me to be very patient and uh,
0: calm. And and how noisy is this? Whenever we talk about crises, you know, I I can just hear noise and noise and noise to whatever you just yeah. said.
1: But unfortunately, right, only two to three times I have been in the office when there's some real mad crisis happening. So when it has happened in the office, we all get together in, uh, we have a dedicated room called the uh, ERP room. Uh, That's where the emergency response program of the airline is activated. I have only been in the room about two to three times when something has actually happened. But most of the other times I've been traveling, like I've been working remotely or I've been on the bus going back home most of the times it has happened when I've been on the road and I cannot tell you how useful my smartphone has been. Like I've not even had access to my laptop sometimes, like it must have died or something, or, you know, I, it's no use using the hotspot. So it's better to get work done through the phone. So imagine, you know, WhatsApping like, uh, in 20 different groups, you have one group with your agency, one group with the senior management, one group with your own internal team, and then you still get calls parallely. So yes, it's chaotic. Like for about two to three hours, like there's nothing else that goes into your head. And But that's the beauty of the industry again. Like you can operate from just anywhere. All you need is just a phone connection and an internet connection and you need yourself,
0: your calm state, that's it. So do you disturb, you know, pilot collection are very often when there is a crisis or you tend to leave them alone that you know there's a crisis that they are really going through
1: so, uh, not very often the pilot in command because their duty will be to attend to the operations right but we have people from the safety departments from the engineering department this equipment right I just want to you know or I just want to focus on getting this flight ready but we will be troubling them we trouble the operations people very often because we need information and data from them we rely on them yes so we interact very often we work very closely with all of the operations departments
0: so Sana you know whenever we talk about crisis these guys you know they and all her team is managing that on ground but you are up there in the skies with you know a, a lot more at that s- stake a lot of people's lives, their particular, you know, calm state, their safety, your own safety, and, you know, safety of all the crews and employees over there. So how do you think that, you know, crisis management goes up there in the sky?
2: I think we are uh, very lucky uh, because, you know, teams like uh, Divya's and everyone else is on ground ensure that nothing reaches us. None of their chaos and their baggage and stress, none of it reaches us. So we are completely able to focus on the task at hand, which is to land safely, uh, either to land safely or to uh, you know get from A to B safely or for a passenger, if it's a medical emergency, just attend to that. And uh, all of our training and our procedures really enable the uh, pilot and command to focus on that. So uh, it's actually thanks to all the uh, teams on the ground that work so tirelessly. Uh, It doesn't reach us at all. And when it comes to crisis in the air, uh, like I said, it is all uh, very procedural. You learn with experience. There is a certain amount of uh, confidence and uh, it just comes in when something is going uh, out of hand or something is going wrong. And if you're the pilot in command, you automatically rise up to the occasion. Uh, even if uh, seconds ago, you were just admiring the clouds outside or doing something completely different. As, uh, the training is such that as soon as something starts, uh, you're a different person in a different mindset and you're able to focus.
0: Oh. And and you know, as the West shared her learning and any kind of learning that you would like to share?
2: Yes, of course. Uh, my learning uh, majorly over the last few years is as a pilot, when you join, you're in a little bit of a bubble. You don't know much uh, about an, about the airline that you work with outside of your cockpit. It is only once you experience more, you meet more people, you interact with more departments, and you contribute to more departments that you appreciate the, uh, the scale at which uh, the airline actually operates on. And uh, that has been amazing uh, learning for me. So... Uh, our uh, exposure initially is limited only to maybe engineering, cabin crew, uh, ground services. Uh, but just knowing, you know, that there is a PR team that works tirelessly for you also. Uh, there is so much more to an airline than just the airplane and the pilot and the cabin crew.
0: So, so guys, any, any advice, you know, for uh, anyone or, you know, women in specific who are looking to start out their journeys? Uh,
2: from me specifically? Uh, I would say it's one of uh, the best professions. I don't think I will be happy doing anything else. And, uh, I, you know, we keep saying that uh, India has a cultural uh, challenge. It actually doesn't. If you see the number of working women in India, we have a lot of opportunities. Give it our, uh, maybe our family setups that offer so much support, Uh Uh, You know, there's a lot of work from home opportunities. So whatever it is that uh, young women want to do today, it is very achievable if you set your heart to it. And like Divya said earlier, don't be afraid of changing, trying out a few different things. It's okay. You may not get your uh, dream job on your first uh, attempt, but you will discover yourself, uh, keep exploring, develop your skills, and uh, you will find the sweet spot.
0: That's, that's really, you know, one of the most inspiring as well as subtle thing that, you know, I have listened over the show. A- any kind of thing, you know, from you, Divya?
1: Yes. So, you know, I've loved being a part of the communications industry. And as I said, it's growing. The industry is really growing. And when I started off 11 years ago, like everything was mostly about traditional media, like television, newspapers, and, you know, a rush to get uh, your uh, respective brands covered in uh, the top uh, newspapers uh, in the city uh, you're based in but things have changed so much and uh, you know social media has brought about a lot of change and, and uh, the traditional media setup itself has grown so much over the years and there's so much more scope to explore so and communications is one industry where I've seen uh, you know uh, have a lot of women uh, joining the uh, band uh, year after year, and women are respected in the industry, and women are looked up to. So uh, for people wanting to join the communication industry, there's a whole ambit of uh, opportunities waiting out there. So just but give it your time, you know, don't be hasty like me, you know, uh, looking back, I might have done very well as a TV journalist as well. But I just... Took a really quick turn, but I'm still very happy where I am. But give it your time, you know, and your personality really matters, you know, along with your skill set. So speak for yourself and be ambitious and try out different things and figure out, take your time to figure out uh, where your heart is.
0: So guys, this, you know, this has been an amazing time with you. And, And as much as, you know, I would like to continue this for some more hours, I think, you know, we. Uh, this is the time, you know, for the Lajak show to be wrapped up. Thanks a lot for, you know, getting on this particular podcast. It was amazing talking to you.
1: Thank you thank very you much. so much,
2: Vishal. Thank, you, thank for you. Lovely being part of it. And thank you, Divya. I hope to uh, see you soon now.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, we've only interacted on uh, the phone and now we're getting to see each other. I'm looking forward to working with you after you're back.
2: <laughs> same here, same here.